Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 206 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And this is a coaching podcast. My mission is to help people feel better, be better, and build the life you dream of. That's what we're doing around here. And I am going to share a lot of information with you in this episode, a lot of personal stuff, because this particular topic is so powerful for me. And in putting this three-part series together, a lot of things have been triggered for me. This particular topic makes me a little sad when I think back to who I used to be and why I was so broken. And I'll tie all that together for you (laughs) today. But before we dive down the rabbit hole, I want to do a member shout out. This is such a beautiful comment. It comes from our Facebook group, the Addiction Unlimited group. If you're not a part of that, then jump your happy little buns over there and join us, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Addiction Unlimited. We'd love to have you. And somebody posted this. And when I do webinars and things like that, for the people that show up and stay with me to the end of the webinar, I always give away free things. I love to give away free stuff. I love to reward the people that are really showing up for themselves, taking things seriously, staying to the end, and, you know, not having a crappy attitude about being on a webinar or something. And listen, I used to be the same way. I used to have a super crappy attitude about webinars, even like, of course, it was all about me and it was my selfishness. Like I wanted all the information and all the stuff from the webinar, but I didn't want to have to sit through it and I didn't want to have to hear the sales pitch that always comes in a webinar and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized, firstly, that I'm super selfish and ridiculous and I only think of myself and what I want and what I think. And secondly, I realized that just because I'm not on a webinar to purchase something doesn't mean there aren't a lot of other people that showed up to that webinar specifically because they wanted to learn more. So I had to get over that little mental hurdle in my head. So when people show up on my webinars and stuff and they stay till the end, I just have so much gratitude for that, you know, because those are the people that you know genuinely care and genuinely want to be a part of your community and what you're doing. And they're really showing up. And I just love that because those are the little things that make all of it worthwhile, you know? So I always give away free stuff. And this person actually showed up to one of my webinars and I think I gave away my entire online course. This thing is a behemoth. It is unbelievable. It's not even available for purchase right now. I might make it available later this year, but it's not, hasn't even been available for sale. And I think she got the whole dang thing. And it just makes me so happy to see her continuing to show up because that's the other thing too. 
And you guys may not know this, but when you give things away for free, 99% of the time, the person you give it to will never utilize it. And that's the problem. Everybody always wants free stuff, but the people that are really going for the free stuff are not typically the people that are ready to take real action. So I can't tell you how many things that I've given away, coaching sessions I've given away, and people don't even follow up. They don't utilize it. Or my old course, the recovery recipe course, like I can look and see how much people went through that course. And the people I gave it away to might listen to one or two modules and then they never show up again. So it warms my heart when I see somebody showing up continually in the Facebook group and really utilizing all the tools that they've been given. And I just, I love this. This is what I live for. So (laughs) she says, I'm sitting here tonight thinking, I haven't ever felt so thankful for my life. Sobriety has brought me so much peace. It's amazing how much alcohol kept me stagnant, sad, miserable, and unmotivated. It had me in shackles for so many years. It took so much time from me. I'm almost five months sober, and life just keeps getting better. Thank you, Angela Pugh, for your wisdom, your guidance, your time that you give to helping others, and giving me tools I've needed for so long. Recovery rocks. This is what I live for. This is everything. To see and hear people getting all that relief and happiness from recovery because that's the thing that I can't convince people of in the beginning. In the beginning, it's so terrifying. You can't imagine what your life will be like without alcohol. You're so scared that you're going to be miserable and uncomfortable and you can't see the possibility that it could be amazing. And because you can't see what's possible, you just stay stuck in the fear of not knowing and you keep drinking. That's why you keep drinking, by the way, because the fear of the unknown. But there are so many gifts of sobriety that you can't put into words. And there's no way for me or any other podcaster, coach, or rehab, there's no way for anyone to know exactly how those blessings are going to manifest for you. We just know they will. For some people, their first realization of sober gratitude might come in a moment with their kids, right? Where you realize the difference in how you're showing up for your kids and how differently you're interacting as a parent. For others, it may show up first uh, at work and you see how different your energy and stamina are and how different your performance is, right? The point is it's different for everybody. So There's no way for me to tell you when you're in the beginning and you're so stuck in being terrified. There's no way for me to tell you what's possible or what it's going to look like. I just know that it is possible. For me, it was a huge self-esteem builder, which goes perfectly with our episode today. But it was a self-esteem builder because my sobriety is the only thing I had ever been committed to other than drinking. It was the first time. I said I was going to do something, and I actually did it. I followed through every day. I showed up every day. I made it a priority. I treated it as the most important thing in my life for a long time, and I did it. And I have never done that before. 
my whole life. I was a quitter. You guys have heard me talk about this before. I'd work out for a while, then quit. I'd lose a few pounds, then quit and gain it back. I'd start a new thing I wanted to do. And as soon as it was hard, I'd quit. I was so scared to fail and scared to feel embarrassed and scared what people would think of me that I wouldn't even try anything. I mean, I'm talking big things and little things, but all of a sudden when I had to quit drinking, I showed up in a different way than I ever had before. It was so important to me that I changed my life. It was so important that I become a different person that I was willing to do anything because I knew the pain of changing was nowhere near the pain of staying the same. Let me say that again, because this is when you know you're ready to stop for real, when the pain of changing is less frightening than the pain of staying the same. What keeps you stuck is what I said a few minutes ago. You stay stuck because you can't see the possibility that it will be okay. It's all unknown and uncomfortable. You don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't know how you'll ever manage your social anxiety or how you'll do your job without drinking or your partner won't stop drinking so you can't stop drinking because you don't know how you'll ever get through that. It's all unknown. And the comfort trap of drinking is that it's become very predictable. You know every piece of it how you'll feel, what you'll do, how crappy you'll feel the next day. It's all predictable. And that takes away the fear of the unknown. When you're drowning in that fear of not knowing every detail, because we're control freaks that want to manipulate every detail, (laughs) that fear and feeling out of control doesn't allow you to see or believe in what's really possible. And when you can't see the possibility of being okay, you create your own conclusions that are always catastrophic. Like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'll never figure this out. I'll never have fun again. I'll lose my job. My partner will leave me. My kids will hate me for it. I'll be miserable forever. And when that becomes your truth, of course, Of course you're going to continue drinking because you just made sobriety sound like the actual end of your world, which in your rational mind, you know, is completely untrue. But when you let your emotions take over and you're suffocating in all that fear and anxiety, you'll tell yourself anything to make that stop. And the fast, easy answer is always to drink. And this is the core of self-esteem. Let me explain this. Self-esteem feels so challenging because it isn't a tangible construct. It's not something you can touch or see. It's not something you can read through the manual, go do the steps, and you're all fixed. It's psychological. It's your true thoughts about yourself and who you are as a person, how you handle your life, how honest or dishonest you are, how strong or weak you believe yourself to be, and how much you trust yourself. That's self-esteem. 
It's all inside you. And you know your real truth. That's why you hear that saying, you can lie to everyone but yourself. You will always know your real truth. This is why all the things in your life that happen outside your head can't give you self-esteem. Being pretty doesn't give you self-esteem if you hate yourself and who you are as a person. Having a big house and a nice car doesn't give you self-esteem if you know on the inside that you're an overreactor and you're mean with your words to your partner or you're cheating on your taxes. Going to church doesn't give you self-esteem when you know you're a dishonest person or a closet alcoholic or you're cheating on your spouse. Making money doesn't give you self-esteem when you know you're neglectful of your family, you aren't emotionally available to your spouse and children, or you're verbally abusive to your family or your employees. You've heard me talk about this before, your insides and your outsides. We spend a lot of time in our daily lives making sure the outside picture looks the way we want it to. So we can control what other people think of us. That's what the outside is. Clothes, houses, cars, kids' behavior and accomplishments, jobs, money, church. All the outside stuff is about what other people think of us. The inside is where the magic happens. You're not going to have healthy self-esteem When you pull your expensive car into your expensive garage and you know in your head that you're not proud of the person you are. When the voice in your head is telling you you aren't a good person, you're a fraud. And if anybody knew the truth about you, they wouldn't have anything to do with you. You see how all that outside stuff doesn't heal your insides? And this is the control trap too, because we continue to reach for the outside things, trying to manipulate how we feel on the inside, reaching for the food or shopping or gambling or dating, whatever it is that you use to give yourself a hit of instant gratification. And then you sit back and wonder why you still feel like crap. Like what the heck is going on? Why can't I fix this? I'll tell you exactly why. Because you're trying to treat the symptoms instead of treating the problem. Does that make sense? You're trying to treat the symptoms instead of trying to treat the problem. This is the same issue when somebody tries to quit drinking or quit anything, right? And you think that just quitting the drinking and not making any other changes is going to do it. But it doesn't. Because the drinking is a symptom. The drinking has become the problem, but really the drinking is just the indicator that there is a deeper problem. You're using the drinking to overcompensate your lack of coping skills, to self-medicate your horrible feelings when you feel bad about yourself, you have anxiety, or you're depressed, you don't like your life. Drinking is the symptom of those much deeper problems. So when you try to just put the drink down and you don't treat the actual problems, your chances of going back and picking up that drink are far greater than if you dig in and treat the actual problem. 
This is when I talk about the difference between sobriety and recovery, right? Sobriety is putting the drink down. Recovery is fixing the underlying issues so you're not attracted to a drink anymore or you're not attracted to whatever behavior it is that you use. And this episode has been really challenging for me in reading about all this stuff because it has taken me so far back in my life, in my youth, in my drinking life, and has kind of, you know, been picking at those trauma scabs, you know, and all that stuff, and who I used to be, and how I used to approach my life, and how sad and disgusted I was with myself. Even though that outside picture would portray that I had this incredible life, On the inside, I was bankrupt. It was nothing but self-hatred, despair, disgust. And I thought every day, I thought I was going to go to sleep and not wake up again. And really getting over my fear and making the choice to do something about it and really get serious about doing something about it was only because I realized the truth of my situation. Number one, I wasn't dying, right? I kept on waking up, which was miserable. And I was miserable and I hated myself. And every day that I woke up and realized I was alive, I was sad. And the second thing was because of my accident where it finally dawned on me that I could hurt other people. And that was absolutely unacceptable. And that was the moment that the pain of changing was less than the pain of staying the same. The pain of staying the same, the pain of staying drunk And continuing that lifestyle was far greater than just getting my shit together and figuring out how to live sober. And that is what helped create my self-esteem because I finally showed up for myself. I finally stopped lying. I finally started learning how to not use dating as a way to manipulate my feelings. I learned how to become a good person, to be dateable. You know, one of the things I learned in AA, they say, to have self-esteem, you must do esteemable acts. And that's the truth. You have to do things that make you feel good about yourself. You can't consistently have these two forces fighting against each other where your outsides tell the world you're one way, but the insides tell you your truth. And those things don't match. You can't have self-esteem when you do not feel good about yourself and you do not feel good about how you're showing up in the world and how you're behaving. So when I started showing up for myself, it started to make sense. And as I started to trust myself to continue to show up, then I started showing up in bigger ways and I started tackling bigger problems. And certain pieces of me and my issues and my trauma have taken years to deal with. You know, this isn't like you read a couple of books and move on to the next thing. Some of my stuff is so deep-seated 
that it has taken years to really work through and figure things out and change the behavior. You know, I was a super financially irresponsible person. I grew up without a lot of money and was always told we can't afford that. We can't do that. We don't have any money. We're not like those people. Money was always a source of stress and sadness and contention in my household. And I took that out into my adult life. That's how I felt about money. It was like this love-hate relationship. You want it so much, but you hate it so much. It took me years to work through my money stuff. It was a necessary part of my healing. It was something that didn't come until, uh, I don't know, after a decade sober that I even realized that it was a deep-seated issue that I had to work on. And it took me a long time of really digging in and reading some books and learning about myself and my thought processes and then catching myself in the behaviors and changing them, making a conscious choice to be different. That's what builds self-esteem. When you show up for yourself, when you get honest and stop hiding who you are, When you're no longer lying, you're no longer cheating, you're no longer being deceitful and hiding booze and having this secret life that nobody knows about, that's how you build self-esteem. When in your quiet moments, when nobody's watching, you feel good about who you are and how you behave in the world. Now, outside of my sobriety, the next big thing that was a self-esteem builder for me was college because college was something that I never believed I could do. And I didn't go to college until I was much older and I was in my sobriety. I think I was 37. I think I was 37 when I started college and I was scared to death. You know, I hadn't been in school in two decades. I wasn't a particularly good student in high school. I didn't know if I was smart. I didn't know if I could do it. My whole life had revolved up to that point. My whole life had revolved around just what I looked like. And that was what I put all my energy into. So I didn't know that I had more substance to me, right? Which was also something that broke down my self-esteem. I didn't have substance. I didn't believe I had substance. I didn't know I had substance. Nobody liked me for my substance because I led with what I looked like. I was betraying myself, right? I can't have healthy self-esteem and betray myself in that way. I was selling a picture that had no substance. So when it came time to go to school, I had to figure out how to be brave and just do that. And I figured it out one little tiny thing at a time. And I did it. And when I took my first test and I aced it, then I believed in myself. And I went, oh shit, I can do this. I am capable of doing this. Now I can see what's possible. I didn't sit in, I can't do this, I'm dumb, I'm going to be terrible at this. Right? I had some of those thoughts for sure, but I didn't sit in that. I went, okay, but maybe I could pull this off. There's a possibility I could pull this off. And I did it, and I was really freaking good at it. And I loved it. I definitely never would have thought that would have been possible. (laughs) I never thought I would love school, but I loved school. And that opened this whole other piece of me. You have to see what's possible instead of staying stuck in the fear. 
That's how you build self-esteem. You show up for yourself. You continue showing up for yourself. You stop lying and stop being deceitful. You start making changes. It doesn't mean you do it perfect, but it means you're trying. And that's how you trust yourself to try. See, nothing can throw me off my game at this point. Nothing can make me want to drink at this point because there's nothing that I think I can't get through. I know it's possible for me to figure out whatever life puts in front of me because I've proven it to myself now enough times. I've showed up for myself. I've self-corrected. I've corrected my behaviors. I've become a different person. I have changed my character defects to be good. Not that they're all gone, I promise you, (laughs) but they are substantially less than they once were. But now I know there's nothing that this world can put on my plate that I can't handle. That's why I have self-esteem. That's how you build self-esteem. It's the inside, not the outside. This is an inside job. Don't forget, we have the whole resource library that you can get. And I'm going to put it on this episode number also, addictionunlimited.com forward slash 206. The whole resource library from this three-part series, boundaries, codependence, self-esteem. I'm going to continue adding some stuff to that over the next week or so. Give everybody a chance to listen to this episode and get into it. Addictionunlimited.com forward slash 206 because this is episode 206. You can grab that resource library there. I hope you are having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.